At least that's what he always says. It's an honor. Humbling. To be able to be asked to share with such an awesome congregation. And I mean that with all my heart. Turn, if you will, in your Bibles, not the Pew Bibles, to 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter for what we need to share today. Now, last week, uh, who can tell me what Pastor Swoger preached on last week? I'm telling. Pardon me? Daniel. Now she's going to tell on me. (laughs) Didn't he preach on being called, you know, we're special? Each one is very special. Um, He's called us to do many great things. And Pastor Swag was sharing, you know, and he went on at length talking about, you know, the all-stars and being chosen. That's the word I was looking for. We're chosen. Does that make you feel good? That God, the creator of this universe, has chosen you. Several weeks ago when I was approached, I had no idea what Pastor Swalwell was going to preach on. What I need to share today is in addition to building upon what he shared. Today we want to look at what does your ministry look like? Or what should your ministry look like? Now those who are thinking, I can hear your squeaky wheels turning. Uh, I'm not, I don't have ministry. I'm not, you know, I'm not ministry. I just, I just come and I've, I polish pews and, well, can't polish these. Um, pew potato, how's that? I come, I listen, put a tip in the plate, tell the preacher a nice sermon and go home and that's it. But each of us has a ministry. We're all priests and kings. We all have a ministry to one another. Moms and dads have a ministry to their children. Sunday school teachers, if you're a Sunday school teacher, your congregation is those sweet little kids that you share the good news with every week. That's your congregation. Don't you be taking up an offering, though. But you see, that's your congregation and, and when the family and all those who know you says, go into all the world and preach the God. The world is now each one of our congregations, if you will, because those are the ones that Jesus told us to go share the good news with. 
And today we want to look at what a ministry should look like. Now if we look at God and our Heavenly Father, how does He treat us as His children? What does He do to us? What example does He set forth and the way He treats us as His children? Moms, how do you treat your children? And Jesus told the parable about the... Um, oh boy, he, he wanted to take off all his money he thought was owed to him. I think they call that the prodigal boy. And how did that father act and react? And what was his modus operandi? Mode of operation. How did he treat his sons? And so we have an example of how what our, how our ministry should look like, what it should look like. And we're going to get into that. Now, um, within this called group, God takes out of those He has chosen, and He has chosen out of His chosen group those and He gives special gifts to. We'll turn over in 1 Corinthians, in your Bible. Chapter 12. List us, list us some gifts. What is a gift? Something that is given to you and is not yours until you receive it, right? And so there are within the chosen group, within his family, he chooses out of that group those that he wants in special groups and to help, to encourage. Um. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, let me find it here. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You get that? We're all equal. No one thinks better than anybody else. And in the church, God has appointed. I want you to be a teacher. I want you to be a janitor. I want you to be a board member. I want you to be a deacon. I want you to be a preacher. I want you to be an evangelist. I want you to be. And so He appoints. And God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then workers of miracles, and those who have gifts of healing. Those who are able to help others? I think that was a gift, did you? Just being able to help. Those with the gifts of administration, that's one that passed me by, I don't have that. Those speaking in different kind of tongues or languages. You know, there's a lot of... um, 
preaching going on and a lot of ideas about, you know, the, the speaking tongue. We're not going to get into that. Now, there's some languages I, I don't know. And, Andrew, will you come up here, please? She's going to speak to you in another language. Would you come up here, please? I don't know this language. She does. I don't. Maybe there's some of you that also know that. This is my baby girl. Talk to him. Now, can anybody translate? Anybody know what you, would you translate, please? Louder? Yeah. Now you know what she said. We had a translation. That was a setup, Bethany. So within this called group, within this chosen group, there are those who can, you know, she signed at conferences and all sorts of, you know, she's good at it. Um, but there are all kind of types of ministry, the preaching, the pastoring, the teaching, the music. Don't we have an awesome music ministry? Whew. Joyce, where are you at? Love to hear the piano. I tell her all the time. Um, you, know, you know, the, the ice cream, the missionaries, the church cleaning, an elder or deacon, the church secretary who runs this show around here. And we are so thankful Amen. for you. Amen. Well deserved. You thought I forgot about First Thessalonians, didn't you? I got it written down here. Or I would have. Paul gives us, talking to the Thessalonian church, Paul gives us a picture of what ministry should look like and who is the main focus. And we're going to look at that. So in First Thessalonians chapter 1, starting with verse 4, And we'll read down to wherever I quit. Beloved brothers and sisters. Look at this. We know that He has chosen you. Didn't we hear that a week or so ago? We know, and He's talking to the church. Um, and we know that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply by word, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. I hope I don't preach hard enough and knock the electric out, like Swalter did. <laughs> you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit so that you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia, 
but your faith in God because it became known everywhere. So who's the focus? It wasn't Paul. It's you, the chosen ones. And this is who he's talking to. And the ones that not only are chosen, but then he's talking about those who are in ministry. And he's sharing his ministry with the church and how he conducted his ministry and gives us a very good tool to use. You see, there are those in this congregation who God has called and is calling to the ministry. Now, you know it, and we know it. Maybe you've not said yes yet. Maybe you're still dealing with it. But God's calling you. And here's some tools that you can use in your ministry, whether it's pastoring or whether it's music or whether whatever ministry that God has chosen you to do. Here's some handles. Here's some tools. Not only for them, but for all of us. Well, the pastoring, the teaching, the preaching. Going up to verse, uh, in chapter 2. Go over to chapter 2, and we'll see, starting there in verse 4. One of the key things that we need to make sure of is it says, on the contrary, we speak as men approved, of God. When God puts his stamp of approval on you and what you're doing, he's approved you for ministry. You know when you go to Walmart and you stick that piece of plastic in the machine and, and it does all sorts of crazy things and then it says, approved, or we hope it does. <laughs> Bless you. Good to see you today. Been missing you. Number one is being approved by God. There's two, some people, and I I, I, knew, I worked with a guy. He says, I'm, I'm going to go into the uh, ministry, and this is funny, <laughs> for the money. <laughs> I said, you're going to get awful hungry. So our focus in ministry should be those, the you. Okay, approved of God. We are not trying to please men, but and here is another key. We are not trying to please men and make sure everybody talks nice to us. We want to please, what's it say? God. God. Who tests our heart. Are you really into this ministry? Are you really believing that you and I can have this good ministry, that you're going to depend upon me, depend upon my Holy Spirit to, to, to help you and encourage you to do what I've asked you to do? You know we never used flattery. Any preachers who use flattery? Nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God, here's again, God is our witness. You see, God is watching. He, and we talked about this in Sunday school class. 
God is watching. He's observing all that we do, whether in ministry or not. Here's another key. When you're in ministry, when you're doing what God has called you, God is our witness. We are not looking for the praise, uh, not from you or anyone else. We're not looking for a reputation. I've known a few preachers over the years who seek a reputation. Some of them have reputations I don't want. (laughs) As apostles of Christ, in verse 7, apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle. Your ministry, no matter what it is, must be gentle. Not harsh. Not dictatorial. Not micromanaging. I'm not a, I wasn't a micromanaging in, in my years of ministry. I, I had a Sunday school superintendent. I didn't have to worry about it. She ordered all the stuff, and I didn't have to worry about it. I didn't have to tell her what to do. And what. That was her job. Did it well. But we were gentle among you. How? And he gives a picture. Like a mother caring for her little children. And it's very fun to watch a mother with a little child. Attentive to their every need making sure they're clean and smell like Johnson baby oil and take care of that child. Gently pick it up. Gently. And this is how we're to to be with those who are under our ministry, to be gentle, not harsh, not ridiculing, not demeaning, not in this. No. To be gentle in the same way that a mother... Caring for children. I've known pastors like that. We were privileged to be friends with pastors when we were in Denison. And when I read this, this name, you know who he is? Mark Unruh. Mark Unruh is, well, he's one of them Presbyterians. But he is, this is what he looked like. Gentle, caring, uplifting. When I was in the hospital, he was there. Come to visit. He's a Presbyterian. As a gentle, we loved you. If you don't love the people that you're ministering to, then hit the door, Jack. What's the rest of it? Don't come back. If you don't love the people, and if you don't invest your life, and we're going to look at this, invest your life into the people, whether it's the youth or whoever, and you've invested and you've done, and this girl needs a hand. This girl has, the youth 
and how she's been with the youth. And just give her an arm. She didn't. That's right. That's right. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Our ministries, thank God for allowing me the honor and the privilege of investing my life in these precious young people. I started out as a youth pastor back in the dark ages in the 70s. We had the fastest growing youth group in the state of Ohio. Investing. And you in ministry invest. Even if it's running the vacuum cleaner, you're investing your life in everyone else. Nice to come in and clean carpet, isn't it? Somebody comes in to visit, what do they see? First thing to come in the door, is the carpet clean? Well, they don't look at that first, but you know, they notice that. And they notice the person handing out the bulletins. You see, the, the person, the ministry of... Yeah. You are the first person they see. You set the tone for the rest of their day in the church. You are the face of the church. You didn't think about that, did you? That's a ministry. And how you treat them. Smile, hi, glad you're here today. Anything I can help you with? Oh, you have kids? What age are they? Which Sunday school class can I take them to? Glad you're here. We went to a church in Fairborn, Ohio. Nazarene Church. Went there on a Sunday morning. We barely got out of the car in the parking lot. And there was somebody there to greet us. I don't think it was very warm that day either. Hi, glad, glad you're here. Glad you came. And we didn't get ten more steps. There was somebody else. Hi, have a bulletin. Got to the front door of the church. There's two more people. Hey, how you doing? Glad you're here today. And there's several others as we went into that congregation. That was the face of the church. And they also gave me a little travel mug to carry my coffee. That was good. But you see, that's, that was the face of the church, and that set the tone for a whole visit. And whoever's greeting at the door sets the tone for visitors. First impressions. You get one chance at a first impression. Well, get back here. That was free. That wasn't in my notes. We loved you so much. Did you read that? Paul loved the people so much and when you have a ministry you have to love them so much just like missionaries if you didn't love them you wouldn't have gone back you invested how many years gene how many years don't wake him up he's all right generate yeah 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 
Because you loved them. And you had a message to share. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you. Here it is. Not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You have to invest. And when you go into the ministry, or the ministry that you have, it's an investment. And I will guarantee you a great return on that investment. You're investing in people's lives. You're investing in people's soul. You're investing in their eternity, where they spend eternity. Paul says, we invested our lives. We loved you that much. We weren't concerned about us. That wasn't our focus. He says, our focus is you. We invested our lives because you had become so dear to us. Wow. In our 40 years of ministry, we've met a lot of people, and some of them still, over the years, are friends. Surely, Isn't it nice to have your name in the Bible, Shirley? My name's not there. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. And when you get in the ministry, there's going to be toil. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be times when you wonder, if, are you sure that I'm supposed to be doing this? Right? When you invest your lives, you better be ready for some heartache. You better be ready for some grief. Because supposedly Christian people will supply it. How much grief did they give Jesus? How much grief did the religious... And and you'll get more grief out of religious people than anybody else. You remember our toil and hardships. We worked night and day in order to not be a burden. You don't want to be a burden. They're going to be they're going to share your their burdens with you. And that's part of being ministry. That's part of doing that. And when you call the church, you have a sweet voice on the other end of the line. Church of God, what do you want? No. They know where to call. They know who to call because my phone's going to ring and her phone's going to ring and your phone's going to ring and and she says, you know, we got prayer requests. I love that. You see, because the Bible says when one hurts, we all hurt. Those of you who fought cancer, we fought it right there with you. We were there. Men.
Ministry can bring so many joys and memories and hurts. Disappointments. Christian people will disappoint you. Sometimes while they're talking to you in your face, they're painting a bullseye on your back because they're going to stab it. Well, we burden day and night, we labor day and night, not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. You are witnesses. Look at this. You are witnesses, you and says, and so is God. God is watching. Willie, when the kids were little, put them to bed when they were still little. She would sing them a song. Remember what that song was? What? The last thing they heard before they went to bed was, God is watching over you. It wasn't any of this, if I should die before I wake. What's that? Let your kid go to sleep thinking about that? No, God's watching over you. Your witnesses, and so so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. And you know, we're all going to, and we in the ministry are held to a such higher standard. We're going to answer for a lot more than maybe somebody else. Well, it says, um, For you know, verse 11, For you know how he dwelt with each of you, now, as a father. And so he's talking about the mother, how the mother takes care of the children. And now he's talking about how did we deal with you as a father. What is a father supposed to do? Uh, we know that he dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. And here's the list. See that? See the list? Encouraging. You're doing good, son. You're doing good, honey. You're doing good. Uplifting. Encouraging. In ministry, that's what we're doing. Encourage people to, when we share the good, encourage them to, to do better. To move up, as we used to preach on. Move up. Encouraging. Be an encourager. What else? Comforting. Usually, if a child wants comforting, where do they go? Mom. You watch on TV and a big Husky football player, what's he do? Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Dads are supposed to be comforting. They're supposed to be the man out there. It's snowing. (laughs) 
comforting. Willie and Sandy and them growing up, they felt comforted, they felt comfortable, they felt protected because of Dad was there. And his thirty odd six rifle in the cupboard. <laughs> We're to be a comfort as fathers. And in your ministry, you you need to you you have to comfort. You visit in the hospitals, you go to the ER and, and you stand there by the bed and, and families around their loved one and you're watching the monitor and before long it goes. you got to comfort. And a lot of times, just you being there. Never say a word. You're there. To be a comfort. And here's the key. You save the best to last. In your ministry, no matter what it is, and urging, pushing, and doing what? To live... Lives worthy of God. That in ministry is our primary goal. Say, well, I've, I've, a lot of people got saved under ministry. Yeah, okay. So they've gotten saved. They're a baby Christian. Now what? We don't leave them on the altar to die like they're doing now. The babies, you know, don't get me started on that. Uh, you know, it's to be encouraging, to urging a life worthy of God who calls you to His kingdom and glory. He's chosen you. In our ministry, in your ministry, these are tools to use. How we deal with people, how we deal with congregations, how we deal with our families, how we deal with one another in the church. This morning in Sunday school class, we talked about uh, one thing we talked about is uh, you know the group that goes out on Wednesday nights and does handiwork for the unchurched and how you know investing in the community. They don't want anything for it; just do it. Why? They're sharing God's love with what you do. And too many in the ministry, they want this reputation. And, and some, again, they, they have the, the, the reputation. It's not who you are, but what you do that gets you a reputation. And when you start dealing with people and when you start investing in your lives, and the community knows that, That a pastor in a church has to be kind and considerate and encouraging and uplifting and investing in all the things that we do. Whether teenagers or some that aren't anymore. My Bible professor told me, he says, Don't ever in a pulpit, don't ever use the word old. It's more mature. For you more mature people. Well, I'm one of them now. Investing. And you never stop. 
investing yourselves in others. The ministries that the church has, the ministry that you have, clocks tell me to shut up, the ministries that you have, and there are those in this congregation today that have been called to go in some kind of ministry. It's time now to say, okay. When I was, I went in ministry in my 30s. I was old. Kids were little. Dad, do we have to be perfect? Because I'm the preacher's kid. No. Just don't embarrass me. One of our daughters, I won't tell you which one, so when the preacher starts, she lay down underneath the pew and go to sleep and... Uh, yeah, this one. I didn't mention any name. <laughs> the ministry that God is calling you to. A young person? And those of us who aren't quite as young anymore. God still calls. Chosen. You are a chosen. Chosen vessel to do specific ministries in the church. Well, he has some ideas about uh, what we're to do. Turn, if you will, to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And when you apply this to your ministry, and we're going to close here in a minute. I heard two amens. First Timothy chapter 3, and he talks about overseers. Who's an overseer? And I looked that up. And an overseer, it's a bishop, one who, lead, one who stands before the congregation. A bishop, an overseer. Here's a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now the overseer must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to much wine or none, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone doesn't know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must, be, he must not be a recent convert or a novice. He may become, why? Because he become conceited and fall under some judgment of the devil. Ooh. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders. Well, it goes on about deacons, but we don't have time to get you deacons. That'd be another time. Ministry and how we treat one another. 
preferring your brother, investing your lives in the people. Believe me, there will be a return. My first pastor in St. Mary's, Ohio, I was green as a gourd. Did things that look in the mirror and say, why did you do that? And I would preach and I'd preach, you know, and some would come and some would not. And, you know, just they would, uh, you just never know. About ten years later at the ox roast, a guy come up and says, Hey, do you remember me? I went to the church in St. Mary's. And because of your preaching, because of what you did, I'm a Christian today. Wow. You never know the influence that you have with those under your ministry. And when you treat them gentle and encourage and uplift, you're going to get a return on your investment that has eternal consequences. So today we ask, ask, and we know that God is calling some to the ministry. We know that. You know that. Today is the day when you find yourself, and I remember the day that I... Finally knelt on and said, okay, God, get off my back. I'll do it. I'll do it. And when I finally said yes, when I went to that altar, because Pastor Steinmetz preached the message on obedience, nailed me to the floor. Obedience. And God said, are you going to be obedient today? Well, I need a sign. I think I've shared before. I need a sign so that I have no doubts. I've got to make sure that this is what you want me to do. I said, I've got to have a sign, something that is there. And I was standing in that, and I think we set about fourth or fifth pew back. I was a youth pastor. My feet got so hot, man, I had to move. Well, now that I'm in the aisle, I might as well go on. I can still feel the heat on my feet. And I've had to go back to that point when I question my calling. Want some more heat? No. God has chosen some of you. And it's time for you to say, okay, I'm going to do it. And maybe you're in ministry, and maybe ministry, what you're doing, you could use some help with. Maybe you're not putting at all what you need to put into it, and maybe kind of slacking. And we do that. It's easy to do that. Maybe today you'll say, you know, all right, Lord, I need some help. What I've been doing isn't really up to par, up to what you know that I can do, and I know that I can do, and it's time for me to, to kind of recommit my life to the ministry that you've called me to. And if God is calling you into the ministry, it's time to step out and say, okay, 
Where you lead me, I will follow. We moved from Springfield, Ohio, to Houston, Texas, that foreign country down there. I'm sorry. She's from Texas. Foreign country is its own entity, and you don't mess with Texas. Has God called you to the ministry? I asked God several times, why did you why did you give me this? Because somebody needed to hear it. And it was you. Are you doing the ministry that God has called you to do with the best of your ability? And he looked at you and say, Approved. Well done. You're doing good. We're all chosen. And then there are those who've been chosen and called for a special ministry. To be a missionary, a youth leader, Sunday school teachers, music, secretary. You know what God is calling you to, and you know His voice. I knew God's voice today. You want to say, "Okay, I know you've called me, and I want to be the best, whatever He has called me to do. I want to be the best that I can be, because I'm going to stand before Him one day, and I'm either going to hear, "Well done," or He's going to say, "Depart." I don't know you. Yeah, but Lord, I, I, all these years I was... No, I don't know you. I want to hear approved. I want to hear well done. The good and faithful servant. And those of us in ministry are servants. Not seeking reputation. Servants. Investing. And each one of you invest in each of our lives. The moment you walk in that door, you're investing in me. And when you're not here, you cheat me. And I don't like that. But you invest in each other. The fellowship, the love, and all the stuff that you feel in this church that we've felt for the couple years we've been here. People know that. People know if you love them or not. And so today, those of you who have been called to ministry and those who are ministry in ministry want to rededicate, recommit, say, you know what, I want to do better. I want to invest more in my life. I want to be the person that you want me to be. I want to be the Christian that you want me to be. I want to be the best I can. I want to be approved of you. Because I know he's watching. He's watching. So what's your answer today? Yes? I like the old boy in the Bible says, ah, some other convenient time, you know, I, you know, just come back next week. No. This is the week. This is the day. This is the hour. When you make that choice to do what God has called you to do. Stand with me, please, to pray. Lord, we are grateful and humbled that you call us as mere humans. 
to share your wonderful word, to invest our lives into each other, to love one another, to encourage one another, to uplift, comfort. And Lord, today there are those who have been called to the ministry the need to say yes. Find their way to an altar of prayer and say, I'm, I'm giving my life to you. I'm going to do the ministry. I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. And with your Holy Spirit's help, I'm going to do the best I can. Bless us today and as we listen to your voice and as we are obedient to your voice. We come and do what we know we're supposed to do today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.